This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have a special guest. He is the VP of strategy at a company called Arctic Wolf, not to be confused with Arctic Cat, which in America, they make snowmobiles, uh, Ian. This is a (laughs) cybersecurity company, nothing to do with snowmobiles. VP of strategy, Arctic Wolf, Ian McShane. Ian, welcome to the show. Hey, Albert, thanks for having me. Hey, listen, we're pumped to have you. There are a lot of companies in your space. Uh, Arctic Wolf does play in cybersecurity, and you guys claim on your website to be the leader in security operations. So let's Mm -hmm. start with a simple question. What is unique or what is different about Arctic Wolf and some of the other service providers out there in this industry? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, right? There are hundreds, probably thousands of companies in cybersecurity all out to make a dollar and confuse everyone on the way. And so we're we're here, and I I like to say it like this, we're here to take the suck out of security operations, right? Cybersecurity is difficult. Everyone knows it's hard. So we're here to make it easy by removing the barriers to all of those tools, You know, making it very easy for your staff, the people that you already have, to be successful with what you have. Yeah. I mean, you guys hit at, hint at it right away on the website, which is that, in, and for anyone who wants to go, check it out, arcticwolf.com. At the time of recording, this information is on the website. Of course, by the time you hear it, it might be different. But they lead with the fact that they agree that cybersecurity has an effectiveness problem. They list that there's over 3,000 vendors in the industry to choose from. That's hard to choose from. Um, that over $168 billion is spent on cybersecurity annually across the globe. And even with all that said, there were 5,200 breaches or more than 5,200 breaches in 2021 alone. These are all stats that you guys are willing to stand behind. Mm-hmm. What position is Arctic Wolf trying to take to be more effective? Because you've identified, yes, we agree. There is an effectiveness problem. Mm -hmm. We all agree this is a problem. So what are the steps you're taking, I can take to make cybersecurity more effective? Yeah, like so that's the that's the problem. Like when it takes companies 20, 30, 40, 50 security (laughs) tools to manage and protect their infrastructure, it's gonna be a challenge to do it. And so that's that's where we kind of step in. And you know, rather than have you replace something one year with a new product or add another three-letter acronym like XDR or SIM for four-letter acronym, or I'm trying to think of a five-letter acronym now <laughs> to keep the pattern going, but I can't think of one. But you want if you want to layer more crap on top of more crap, like you can do that, yeah. but it's really hard to manage it. And it's often a placebo. Like the fact is that the more tools you have, the less secure you're going to be mm. because you're going to miss things. You're going to have too much noise to be able to do anything with it. And so that's what we do is that we collect all of the data, all of the telemetry that's making noise in your environment, and we turn that into actionable things. So we tell your security team or your IT team, here's a problem, go and fix it. Here's the exact steps you need to take to do it. Go and have a cup of coffee and celebrate because everything's great. So it sounds like it's a mix of technology plus services, like expertise plus technology, trying to advise my team on, hey, this is a, a potential threat. This is a potential opportunity. Give me an, exactly. I guess give me an idea. Give us an idea of how uh, a, con- a customer of yours would experience this service. Well, you, like again, you nailed it. Like you're doing a great job for me here. Right? <laughs> a lot of companies talk about AI and ML and trying to almost replace humans in all aspects of, of the world, really, whether it's IT manufacturing, whether it's you know. Um, yeah, all aspects of, of, of life. What we're saying is you can't remove the human from security. You need that, you know, the the IQ, the EQ to be able to look at things and understand, is that normal behavior? Is that normal pattern? Is that suspicious? Is that malicious? You know, a, a, it's not always a binary yes or no. 
So being able to fuse our technology platform with security experts when we know a lot of our customers and a lot of your customers and listeners are probably struggling to hire people is really a boon because we, you know, we're layering that human element that you can't hire at the moment on top of the technology platform that we have. So what are you seeing, I guess, how are companies reacting to this service? Because we did the homework on Arctic Wolf. We can see it's fast growing. They're mm -hmm. talking about potential IPOs. We can yeah. see that there's a lot of growth there. So in general, you would often find success with that growth. Give us an idea of what you're seeing in the industry. What are customers demanding? What are the threats that are currently, I guess, growing? Give us an idea of what you're seeing out there because we kind of want to that's the one thing I'll say about cybersecurity is no matter where you are, it's like everything's a moment in time. Like everything you say today, by, by the time this podcast airs, maybe like it's not it's not relevant. Yeah. So give us an idea of how like I guess I really want to know is how you're accommodating for that. Well, I mean, there's there's there are a few things that are always going to be an issue over the next, you know, two, three years, because frankly, as an industry, we suck at solving them. And that's you know, ransomware. Mm. Like you hear about it all the time in the news. We hear about you know, services, companies, breaches that end up either being extortion and ransomware or just ransomware and taking the services offline. So that's that's what's top of mind for our customers is like asking how do we how do we protect against ransomware? And so being able to use our technology experts at Arctic Wolf to help them understand, you know, what's their baseline for risk today and what are the things they can do to reduce the risk going forward is something else that helps bring them a, a layer of confidence into our service as well. What is happening, I guess? in regards to like the increase in proliferation of the bad actors, because we had a couple different guests on and talked about like, well, they, and it's, I guess it's a more of an opinion than anything else, but they were saying how like, listen, there are plenty of companies actually right now that are just paying out ransoms, like meaning like they know that it's the fastest way to solve it. It's the ransom. Yeah. So that of course adds to it. Then you have people that are like, there's new strategies being developed, which is like the, um, I guess they're like laying low, like they're taking years to collect data before they ever do an attack. So you don't even know you've been compromised. You're, they're just like subtly compromising. Mm -hmm. Then we've heard people like nation states are now getting more in involved. They want, you know, different nation, nation state actors are getting involved. When you see these threats from all these different dimensions and you're in charge of strategy, how do you think about approaching solving these angles? Are they all using the same techniques? Are they all using different techniques? Like give us an idea because yeah. the actors seem, the bad actors, it, you went from just ransom people to like, you know, whole nations trying to attack you. <laughs> Give us an idea. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the, fact, the fact is that the barrier to entry has drastically lowered over the last few years. And one of the reasons for that is that people get very smart about how to use built-in tools. You know, we think you hear a lot about living off the land or low bins, like living off the land binaries, like making use, uh, adversaries making use of tools that were designed for IT administration that were used, you know, designed to help the administrators. But once they get compromised, that admin access across the entire infrastructure becomes, you know, the, the downfall of that company. So, you know, when you think about the kind of adversarial activity, it's very easy to see why some of them are able to stay quiet. You know, they're, you know, fairly advanced. Maybe they are just trying to make sure they don't get caught. And then we see others that really want to do a smash and grab, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Uber's a great example of that. Like the, just judging by the news reports rather than any inside information, but you saw that, you know, some, potentially young kid from the UK managed to break in there and that was very noisy. He went on Slack and started telling the company, hey, you know, I've just pwned your entire environment. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> but like you said, then there's the polar opposite where we see organizations that can be compromised for, you know, 250 plus days, which is like, if, if my maths is right, that's kind of like someone getting breached on January 1st and then still being in someone's system in like September or October. Yeah. Like that's a crazy amount of time. Yeah, the uh, the we had a cybersecurity leader on our show not too long ago, talking about how the new hack or one of the new crimes that is being perpetrated is this idea of, and I forget what he said, 
He says like you act like someone inside the organization. So mm-hmm. you get your you breach point, you collect data, you learn that Albert handles finances yep. for this vendor, then you mask and create an instance that looks just like Albert and you submit a request to finance to say, "Hey, do you mind updating this account number?" Yeah. And no one's the wiser. And like that's how that's how the new crimes are be done. Like exactly. <laughs> this that's one the one angle is called like business email compromise, which is a a term I don't really like because it doesn't really describe what's happening. Yeah. But when someone's able to, maybe someone fishes your account, Albert, sure. right? And you, you accidentally give away your credentials. They can log into, you know, Google or Office 365, whatever it is you use, and then just impersonate you. They can create something like, maybe they create a calendar entry, yeah. you know, invite some people to a meeting. And then in the in the body of that meeting is a URL. And as a user, you're going to kind of implicitly trust a lot of this stuff because you see it coming from valid tools. It's not doesn't have that big external stamp on it. It comes from Albert, who I spoke to over coffee last week. Yeah. And, you know, he seems like a stand-up guy. So this must be an important meeting. And so you click on that link and then maybe, you you know, that's how the payload gets delivered. And then, like you said, you know, we see a lot of the, the kind of impersonation crime where they go to finance and say, hey, can you pay this invoice that hasn't been paid yet? Can you update this account number? Can you Can you send half a million dollars to this uh, account. And as, as far-fetched as it sounds, that it works. Yeah. And for yourself personally, you've had a, we looked you up on LinkedIn. No, we didn't go too deep into your past. We didn't hack you. All right. But you've been in the cybersecurity game for quite a long time. Uh, you know, you had long runs at Symantec. You were, yeah. you've worked at CrowdStrike. You've worked at different companies in kind of in the similar security verticals. Mm-hmm. Give us an idea. Is the primary difference between what's happening today and the past, just like, I guess the rapid change the attackers are now taking or what, what else would you say is vastly different from what it used to be? When you say used to be, I could, I'm so old, that could be like 20 years ago. The drastic change, I think is just- that, or, or, or it could be a year ago. <laughs> well, yeah, in dog years, you're right. I, mean, the, I think the drastic change is that everyone's life is now digitally connected in one way or another, whereas it never used to be, right? right? And so there's a lot of bleed over between your personal life and your business life, whether that's you using the same phone or the same laptop for home and work. And so that means that there's, you know, the, the threat landscape is a lot bigger. Then we can consider things like the, you know, this rapid forced adoption in some cases of like remote working, you know, during the pandemic that's that's been beaten to death, that story has. But again, that makes it more risky because organizations cannot use that tried and tested method of, you know, building a moat around the infrastructure. On-prem, VPN. Exactly. (laughs) That stuff just doesn't, doesn't fit the model anymore. And so that throws everything into disarray and people, you know, there are a lot of organizations through no fault of their own just really didn't understand how to make that work. And their kind of their risk factor just grew exponentially because they had stuff everywhere that just wasn't secure properly. So what does this mean for yourself? Because you run, you got a unique title, VP of strategy, Arctic Wolf. Mm-hmm. We know you guys are trying to solve some of these problems for different customers, but you just kind of, you just kind of hinted at it. But the reality is the threats are changing all the time, right? The environmental, societal, economic factors, you name it, name whatever you want, but it's forcing more gateways. Like you said, like the pandemic, right? It opened more gateways into a company's business critical data. Uh, software today, as you know, is more layered than ever where you're using multiple vendors that now pass data from point A to point B. Uh, you know, A to B doesn't even do it justice really. Like most companies use, I think like hundreds of tech stack, hundreds of different third-party software exactly. to move yep. a customer's data you know, from, from wherever they're going, <laughs> wherever in the system. So it does feel like so many things are amplifying and uh, exponentially of like gateways and threats for when you're in strategy of a company like Arctic Wolf, what are you 
focused on? How are you, I guess, educating, guiding? Give us an idea of how you're preparing your customers and your company for all this proliferation. Because that's that's really what you're hinting at. It's like there's every day there's a new gateway that's being opened. Yeah. I mean, luckily, there are, there are plenty of smarter people than me in this industry. And so there's a bunch of frameworks that you can think of aligning yourself to. The one, the one that we look at is NIST. And that's kind of a five-step process, right? You've got identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. And so what we're, what we're doing at Arctic Wolf is aligning ourselves to providing outcomes across all of those things. And that means, for example, in under identify is really helping organizations understand what assets they have and where they are. Because again, you can go to many organizations and ask them, you know, how many, how many endpoint devices do you have? And they're like, well, you know, on a good day, it might be X number. Maybe it's this. It depends who's, who's connected and who's where. They don't have a, you know, a good baseline of that kind of foundations to understand what they have and where it is. Because without that, you can't really successfully do the next step, which, which is protection. And that's, you know, building the preventative layers around it, whether that is, you know, through routing everything old school style through a VPN to your, you know, your on-premise infrastructure, or whether that's built around more of the, the identity-centric prevention. And if you can't identify or protect, then you're living in a world where you're detecting everything. And this is where a lot of organizations find mm. themselves with just noise everywhere. They just get <laughs> alerts from 30, 30, 40, 50 different, you know, applications saying this is suspicious or this doesn't look right or I'm just a really terrible application and I'm just going to fire all these alerts off. And so people were just drowning. So that's what we're trying to do is take people on that journey, on that security journey of like deploying the fundamentals, reducing the risk, and then helping them improve all the way along so that when something bad happens and you know it's like a mathematical certainty that at some point an organization is going to be breached, that recovery phase is easy because number one, they know what they need to do. They've got trusted partners like Arctic Wolf that can help them. And number three, it's not the first time they've done it because every organization should be, you know, the same way you do a fire alarm test every quarter, every six months or every year, at least, I hope. You should be doing the same thing for IT incidents. You should be having, you know, fire drills for your security. And so when something bad does happen, you've got the muscle memory to be able to respond and recover. I, I got to ask, how do you teach people to like, I guess, focus in on that, that signal to noise ratio? Because I use this example, because like, for example, I'm like the G Suite administrator for mission, right? And I get the spam alerts of like suspicious activity. And I also mm -hmm. get, hey, this email has been identified as spam from these users. But I'm a human being. After a while of not a problem, I definitely have paid a little less attention to it. <laughs> and I think that's how most people are. Like, yep. if nothing yep. happens, they'll just kind of exactly start. So that's a human nature problem. How do you go about educating companies or customers or do you handle that side of it for them because of the fact that it does over time kind of become let's say possibly less effective yeah <laughs> i mean that's the thing like keeping people vigilant is really important and you know i said a few moments ago that one of the challenges is that everyone's kind of digital life has bled into that business life right the personal and, and business but that's a good thing i think if you if you start to talk about security in the context of this is not just like a you know a boring business seminar that you need to go through just to tick a box and have that you know i've completed my security training this actually has benefits for you in your your you know day-to-day -day life because it bleeds over things like using unique passwords that's not something that just protects organizations that protects you with your banking or your you know venmo or paypal so making sure that you can link security, not just as a business boring, hey, protect the company, but to something that actually has tangible impact as a human really helps to keep people vigilant. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. 
for yourself, what are some of the things, I guess, that excite you uh, innovation-wise or on the operational side that you see coming down the pipe or you've seen implemented in its infancy that you're saying, hey, this this looks really promising? Yeah, I mean, people talk about machine learning and AI in, in ways that are um, you know detrimental in a lot of cases, but certainly it's, it's really impressive to see how an engineering team can build patterns and algorithms that can start to predict whether something is going to be bad before it's even got to it. So that whole, you know, what's the Tom Cruise movie from like 20 years ago that had like the precogs? Minority Report. There you go. That one where they can predict where something bad's going to yeah. happen based on usual, you know, usual behavior or unusual behavior, maybe. Like when we get to that point of starting to be able to be more proactive and start to really think about, do you know what? These five things I've just noticed on Ian's laptop are unusual. So let's take, you know, let's increase the level of security around his account. Let's maybe lock him out so that he has to reauthenticate before something bad happens. So that that kind of prediction thing is really, really interesting to me when you see all of this noise and actually being, you know, used for good rather than just being a collection of S3 buckets of data crap <laughs> in the cloud somewhere, right? I guess how far away are we before those predictive uh let's say those predictive warnings are well super accurate i don't i don't and i don't even know what you think super accurate is but i'd love to say like 90 if 90 percent of my alerts were accurate i'd be like yeah this is phenomenal <laughs> i mean frankly like the, the kind of the file-based ml that a lot of security companies have been doing for 10 15 years is exactly the same thing right if a, a file they've never seen before has some suspicious capabilities or some things that look and resemble suspicious capabilities they give it a score they predict whether it's going to be good or bad now it's not always 100 percent. and so you know to take the minority report thing you know i don't think we would be making life or death decisions based on <laughs> algorithms that maybe try and predict things i think that's a little bit far, farther away but we certainly see a lot of that in in cyber security today where we can make pretty accurate predictions about whether something is good or bad there you go well i mean within that also opens the doorway which is like no matter what even if it's 99.9% accurate, there's that 0.01. If it does slip by, could potentially be, uh, you know, we see these like $100 million mistake, like $100 million incident yep. uh, or something like that. Do you, do you ever see, a, I mean, because I don't, I don't ever see a world where it's like infallible. Like it just, it just always feels like the bad actors are always going to find a way. There's no way. This, I mean, think about it. The, the bad actors aren't always outside of the organization, right? Sometimes oh, yeah, they you have the, you know, the, the term malicious insider. Yeah. And, you know, and honestly, it's, it's, if you think about the kind of economic state of the entire planet, like how long is it going to be before someone is desperate enough to say, hey, I'm going to get in touch or I'm going to try and get in touch with a ransomware gang and say, you know, if you can give me half a million dollars, I'll give you my login. Mm. Like it's not outside the realms of possibility that, that kind of stuff could happen. Right. That's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Like, like what's, what's your, what's your price, Albert? Like how much would it cost? How much would I have to pay you to give me your login right now? Like ten million dollars? Yes, a number, a number $20. that I would know that I was like, I would have to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, exactly. But that, that's a, the answer is irrelevant. The fact that there yeah. is a number yeah. is like is the problem, right? Right, right. If the if I deem if I'm the bad actor and I deem your number worth the bounty in front of it, then I pay. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is exactly what how criminal enterprises work. So, like you say, like there's no infallible way of doing it because there's the human element everywhere, right? So I guess that, well, that brings us back to like full circle. It's like the 
<laughs> I, I forgot who it was in our one of our cybersecurity guests. They're like, people are the problem, and they always will be the problem. And technology can't solve people. And I and I was like, what? <laughs> I, would, I, would, <laughs> I think I think that's a bit. I think that's a bit more aggressive than I would say. I don't know about calling them the everyone no, no, the problem. The problem. I think maybe problems are linked to end users. Yeah. Yeah. Problems are linked to end users. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. When you think about that, though, you know, this is like a. It's such an inexact science, and. You know, that's also so. I feel like this this industry you're in is very much like a. Um, I guess sports would be a good analogy. It's like you're only as good as your last season or last at bat or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're in an interesting position where you're trying to help plan out the strategy for. Uh, did you focus mostly on customers or more internal team? Like this is how we're going to solve these problems. It's it's internal, yeah, internal. So you have that ta- duty to say like, hey, this is how we're going to do this, right? But you're in an ever changing landscape, and you're always going to have. Really, that's the reality of the industry you're in. You're always going to be judged based on whatever the last incident was. If you mm-hmm. have no incident, you're judged more higher. Yep. If you have a lot of incidents in a year, Ian, I'm not going to. It's not going to be hard to figure out. It's not going to be a good year, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I mean, hold on. Let me let me interject because I would rather have I would I would rather have more incidents than none because if I'm having no incidents, that tells me I'm not looking in the right places. Uh, if I'm having more incidents, I'm detecting more things, and I'm gotcha. like, cool, we can do something about that. We can fix it. Okay. So it's, again, it's not an exact science, you know. Yeah, it's not an exact science. So when you think about like how do you how do you build I guess an organization that is going to continue to be at the forefront of this type this industry because of the fact that it's always changing. But I mean, that's the thing that keeps everyone in our industry employed is that there's no there's no destination for cybersecurity, right? It's not something you buy, it's not something you turn on, it's not something you forgot to do on a Monday morning, right? It's it's there. And you can't really fix it. You can't even fix it. It's like it's like a process. Right. It's it's a process. It's a journey. That's the thing. Like it's a continual journey. And you improve it every single week. And the only way you can improve it is being honest with where you are. Like, do we see as much as we need to? You know, is you know, understanding what's normal and what's abnormal can really help you understand whether you're not you're missing things. Mm. So there's this whole kind of journey that you need to take people on. And that's again, that's something if you go to ArcticWolf.com, we talk about a lot. It's like helping our customers along that security journey, no matter where anyone is, because there's no one size fits all, but there are some foundations that everyone needs to adhere to. Yeah. Our lead sponsor, Salesforce, was partnering with the World Economic Forum. And one of the things they're doing is this cybersecurity learning hub, mm-hmm. which is they're trying to teach an upskill or reskill. Mm-hmm. They said there's a shortage of millions, millions of people in the cybersecurity industry. And they were on a previous show episode talking about how, listen, there's a massive shortage. This is the first. I wouldn't say it's the first, but it's one of the few endeavors where it's like across private companies, across government entities. Everyone is pushing for more people to get disciplined in this field. How about for yourself? Because you're 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 more on the front lines of recruiting and retaining and trying to hire people that have these skill sets. Where do you see or how do you see a way to get more people interested in this domain and field. Because if there's such a skills gap, and we all agree that this is a necessary thing, like it's now part of our future, mm-hmm. our future economy for for the foreseeable future, I think that's fair to say. How do you get more people interested in this field? That's something that's really interesting because there are so many different perspectives on what skills gap or skills shortage means. Yeah. Because, you know, I can I can assure you that there are plenty of people that would be happy to walk into a, you know, a relatively high paying job like cybersecurity like so when people say we just don't have the applicants for it i start to wonder if people are looking for the wrong kind of people Mm. and as you know i've written about this before is that and 
there's a lot been a lot of commentary and you know i'm sure i'm paraphrasing uh, other folks this as well but you'll see people using words like hey we're looking for a rock star or a unicorn that can do everything and so they set their benchmark really high yeah and wonder why they don't get you know they don't find that perfect person and then you can also think about it like if there are a lot of people that are willing to get into cybersecurity, is it really basic skills that we're missing or is it actually the folks that are already there that are looking to level themselves up to being, you know, three to five years of experience and they can't find the roles there. So there's this whole different kind of like facet of things that, that can really play into this. And as an industry, I think everyone's everyone's different. There are some people that are looking for people that are, you know, first timers or trying to hire that junior role, whether that's because it's a junior role truly or whether it's because they've got a junior salary to go with it yeah. or not is, you know, a different, a different question as well. So some of it might just be, you know, kind of self-inflicted for some organizations. What about for yourself? What would you recommend or how would you recommend others maybe reapproach the recruiting and talent problem? What are some of the things you look for? What are the, some of the things that you think as a company, maybe I should provide so that I can get more people interested in working in cybersecurity for me? Give us an idea of this ideal, ideal person fit company culture. The ideal person I look for when I'm hiring someone is going to be someone that's got IT operations experience, someone that's done help desk support. And not just because that's kind of some of my background, but you have people that understand what it's like to have screaming end users at you. So you know, they've got they've, they've got used to you know disappointing people on the on the regular. You've got people that understand, especially if you're hiring internally, the IT folks understand your network. And so they've got a better understanding, again, like I said earlier, of what's normal and what's not normal. So it helps them to be more you know, in tune to suspicious activity. So really trying to recruit maybe from IT and maybe from help desk is a, a place I would start. Because again, I think you could probably backfill those roles um, a little bit easier because those roles tend to be more structured than cybersecurity is for a beginner. How about for a company, if I'm trying to attract someone to my organization, because this is something that everyone is battling for as well, because we already said there's a huge the skills gap yeah. or the, people say there's a skills gap. I like how you- There's a demand. There's a demand for people. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a demand for people, right? I like how you framed it. It's like, maybe you're looking in the wrong place <laughs> because <laughs> I like how you framed that, but there's a, there's a demand, there's a demand gap. There's jobs there's people going into the job. So what if I, if I don't have someone applying to work with me or for me, what should I be doing? Maybe culturally, maybe it's is it a culture thing that I have to offer? <laughs> yeah, like ask yourself why why are people not coming here? Does everyone hate working here? Yeah, yeah, that's that. Well, I don't have we don't have a cybersecurity role here at Michigan. <laughs> I can tell you that. But like, but if I did, what what do I need to offer? Like, what are the best people in your industry? I guess attracted to. I mean, frankly, like the way we solved a lot of this um, at Arctic Wolf is that we've got some pretty close ties with uh, the U.S. military and so veterans that are coming out. We've got some close ties with local, uh, with some of the universities that are local to our offices. So we get folks that are, you know, going through courses and looking for internships, looking for um, their first role. So we have the the ability to tap in there. And so maybe that's a good place to start for some organizations. It's like, what's around? Where are the, you know, where are the folks coming from? Where are the schools that are nearby to you? What can you do to, you know, increase your your outreach? Because just posting stuff on LinkedIn, especially if you're using, you know, ridiculous terms like rockstar and unicorn <laughs> and, you know, you're, you want to pay a um, McDonald's salary for a you know a C level um, security expert? You're probably not going to have much luck. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I like how you framed it. It's like, hey, you could do this, 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 and this, and here's the wage. I mean, they, we said in all industries though. That's a that's always a big challenge. You know, that's that's another thing that you kind of hinted at, which is there's a lot of vendors. There's a lot of vendors and terms being pitched all the time. And so for someone who maybe is not as versed in this domain. They're sitting there thinking, hey, I run a software company or something like that. I want to protect my 
data information to my customers. What am I supposed to invest in? What type of skill? What other skills should I invest in? Because, you know, there's MI, there's, a, there's you know, machine learning based cybersecurity. There's AI. You'll hear every buzzword. If there's a buzzword, there's some cybersecurity company <laughs> out there saying that they have that. Yeah. And so it's really tough to even know what you actually need. If you were to say like, hey, what should I invest? You should invest in this. What are some like, I guess, the fundamental building blocks you think, hey, Mr. or Mrs. New software startup fast growth company, you now need to get secure, secure systems. What should I be investing in? In terms of technology, do you mean, sorry? That's right, technology and skills. Yeah, I mean, like there's, there's a whole foundational like level of, of capabilities that you need to be able to do. And I can, you know, I touched on the, the NIST framework. So that's something that's open. It's an open standard that organizations can go and look at and see, hey, do we have the capabilities in all of these areas? I think also uh, CISA in the US, so um, CISA.gov has got some really good guidance on what you should be doing from an organizational perspective for, for cybersecurity. And there's also, you know, the UK equivalent, and I'm sure uh, around the world, governments are doing the same thing. So there's there's a lot of guidance you can give there or you can get, sorry, that's, that's freely available. I think where it comes down to, again, is like really working with your IT team to understand what it is you have and what it is you need to secure because they're going to they're gonna really understand it. There's no, like I said earlier in, in um, terms of cybersecurity, but there is no one size fits all. So when someone says to me, what should I go and learn because I want to get into cybersecurity, there's, you know, this is a domain that is like 10 miles wide, right? Just, yeah. you know, even taking some of the, even taking some of the certifications, like you, you learn a small amount about an entirely like vast bunch of topics yeah and then you can start to focus in on those and it's, it's really hard to say you should go and do this or you should go and do that because every role is kind of different there you go well if you've listened to this podcast and you want to learn a little bit more about arctic wolf and what a company like ian's can do for you go check them out it is arcticwolf.com ian i want to say thank you for joining us today on it visionaries but before you go it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Ian, this is where we ask you questions outside of the realm of work so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. You ready? Hit me. All right, listen, what are you holding in your LinkedIn? Is that a coffee or a Guinness? What is that? <laughs> that, is, that is a coffee. I wish it was Guinness, but yeah, it's a coffee. That's actually a, freak, a frequently asked question. Thank you. Are you a big coffee drinker? Yeah, I would die. Without it. <laughs> All right. I always ask, how many, how much coffee, excuse me, do you drink in a day? It can, it can vary. And so, you know, the coffee snobs on the, the listening are probably going to frown when I say I go through like, maybe a sleeve of Nespresso sleep, uh, capsules a day. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I cover a lot of time zones, so my workday can be pretty long. And um, so, you know, going through 10 Nespresso capsules isn't unheard of. There you go. And what's an Nespresso capsules for what, for how much? How much does one make? Uh, one of them is usually an espresso. So, you know, maybe I'll do two of those at a time. So, you okay. know, 10, 10 espressos a day. <laughs> that's a, that's a great, that's yeah. A, I mean, it's space, it's spaced out, man. <laughs> it's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things I made a comment on before you even joined the show is like, man, you got one of the most rocking looks I've had on IT Visionaries and I'm a big fan. Listen, I listen <laughs> to metal. Now. I got a terrible haircut. I got a mullet. You know what I mean? So what kind of music do you listen to? Man, I'm digging pop punk at the moment. I'm having a real revival of pop punk. Yeah, I've gone 
if you'd asked me a year ago, I was probably back in grunge, but at the moment, yeah, real, real pop punk. And there's this, there's a band I discovered called the Bomb Pops, and they are on the um, Bomb Pops. Yes, sir. They're on Fat Mike's record label from NoFX, which is um, Fat Records. And I just came across them when I was getting tattooed recently. One of the the songs came on. I'm like, what is this? I've never heard it. And do you know what? I cannot stop listening to a record of theirs called um, Death in Venice Beach. Yeah, it's amazing. So good. Bomb Pops. That's a, it's a, it's female vocalist, right? Yep, you got it. Yeah, yeah. I want to say I've seen them live. I think I have. I think I no, have. Oh, get out. Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. I think I have. Oh, man, I'm yeah. jealous. So you were mentioned you, you were getting tattooed. All right. Do you consider your sleeve a single tattoo or is it a bunch of small tattoos that have been put together? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's a bunch of crazy crap. Man. I've got like, I've got Agents of Shields. I've got a NASA one right here. I've got Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. That, that one's a whole, a whole thing. This one is like my random arm. Like, I kid you not, like, if I have a rare Saturday where I'm bored, like one of the first things I'll do is text my tattooist friends and be like, have you got any openings? And can I come and get something? And then if they've got 30 minutes, maybe I'll get um, like the dumpster fire. You can't quite see it there, but I've got a burning dumpster fire one there, which was a you know 45 minute tattoo because I was bored. <laughs> hey, listen, I've not heard personally of someone getting tattoos that um, that quickly. But I got to respect it because <laughs> I have a bunch of tats. My whole chest is tatted up. And uh, someone nice. once asked me, like, well, do you regret anything? I'm like, not really. I mean, nope. and I, I actually tell people, like, you should just actually get it done sooner. Like, there's no, like, you you might think that you have this, like, meaningful plan that you want to put in place. But I'm telling you, someone who's been living with tattoos for 20 plus years, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Some of my favorite tattoos have come out of the get what you get thing, which is like a gumball machine. You turn the handle, <laughs> pops out a little ball with a picture in it. And you're like, okay, that's what you're getting. Or you can pay, you know, 100 bucks to go have another shot. So some of my best tattoos have come out that way. There's another one that's a cool tactic, which is you follow the artist because every now and then the artist will, let's say, do a design that they just really like. Yeah. And they'll just kind of throw it out there like, I want to yeah. tattoo this on somebody who wants to step up and get it done. And uh, that's usually a fun experience yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, I've done that as well. And it's, uh, there's a few on Instagram that I've, I've grabbed that way. Yeah. There you go. Well, Ian, it was awesome having you on the show. Thanks for sharing your perspectives on cybersecurity. I think the things that are happening in this industry you did a great job. It's, you know, they're extremely complex, but it's like you have to do foundational things and you constantly have to be in this learning environment in order to have even a chance. I like how you're not afraid of even encountering an incident because that means there's a new thing to learn and a new problem to solve. And now that you've changed my, you've changed my perspective, right? I would agree. Like if you're cybersecurity, <laughs> I I was like, hey, listen, if you're out there and you're trying to shop for a cybersecurity vendor or services provider, and they say they've had zero incidents in the last year, what Ian is saying is they're not looking hard enough. <laughs> they they, they exactly. didn't know what happened, which is another problem. Exactly. There are incidents everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yep. If you don't have an incident, you just didn't spot it. It happened. Exactly. You got it. <laughs> Ian, thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thanks so much. This is great.